chapter 11 through 14 tonight as we journey through the Bible and we see a divided house. I know we know nothing about that. So how appropriate, as you will see, this section is for our time and our day. 2 Chronicles chapter 11. Now when Rehoboam came to Jerusalem, he assembled from the house of Judah and Benjamin 180,000 chosen men who were warriors to fight against Israel, that's the northern tribes, that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam. Let's pray. Lord, we just pray for your word tonight, Lord, to richly bless us. And again, thank you, Lord, that we can bring this message over the internet, Lord, and over our radio station. We thank you and we bless your holy name for all that you've done for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Where are we? Well, we left off with Solomon's kingdom done, passed on to the only named son of his, Rehoboam. And then we saw last week that Jeroboam, no relation to Rehoboam, God had told him to flee from Solomon and hide out down there in Egypt. They had come to Rehoboam to say, hey, listen, would you lessen the amount of authority and taxation upon us? And so, like a good politician, he didn't hear a word the people said. <laughs> so that's where we left off with Rehoboam then going back to Jerusalem. He sent the IRS to the north to which they killed him. Now, that's not a suggestion. That's just exactly what happened. And so that's what, where we are now in chapter 11. And so now it says that Rehoboam came to Jerusalem and he assembled from the house of Judah and uh, and. Benjamin, 180,000. Now, when you uh, assemble 180,000 chosen men, what are you going to do with them? Uh, Are they going to do gardening? No, they're going to go out and fight. So he has 180,000 chosen men, although it might be good to do a little gardening, uh, with those warriors to fight against, notice, the northern tribe of Israel that he might restore the kingdom to Rehoboam. But the word of the Lord came to Shemaniah, the man of God, saying, Speak to Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and to all of Israel in Judah and Benjamin, saying, So this is the prophet of the Lord, saying, You shall not go up and fight against your brethren, lest every man return to his house, for this thing is from me. What thing is from me? This separation of Jeroboam and Rehoboam. Therefore, they obeyed the word of the Lord and turned back from attacking Jeroboam. And then Rehoboam dwelt in Jerusalem, and he built cities for the defense of Judah. Now, if you take note of these, we won't mention all of these cities, but what is interesting is the majority of these fortified cities are in the south because we are going to see there is Shishak in the south in Egypt who is gaining power And so Rehoboam fortifies his south rather than the north, although he does a a few cities in the north. You see Bethlehem and Etam and Tekoa there. But it says that he fortified, verse 11, the strongholds, and he put captains in there, stores of food and oil and wine. So he's getting these cities ready for sieges 
that he knows is coming from the south, from Egypt. Also, in every city he put shields and spears, and he made them very strong, having Judah and Benjamin on his side. I want you to remember this because this will come up in the next chapters as we see the attack. Sorry, I'm going to blow it there for you. Spoil alert. The Egyptians will come. Shishak will come. So we have Rehoboam getting his stuff ready, but nowhere do we see him consulting with God or any of God's prophets. So, verse 13. Now, from all of their territories, the priests and the Levites who were in Israel, that's the northern tribes, the northern states, right? Those ten northern tribes, and then you have the two southern tribes of Judah and Benjamin, the southern states there. And for the Levites left their common lands and their possessions and came to Judah and Jerusalem for Jeroboam and his sons had rejected them from serving as priests to the Lord. So this is what we see. It's kind of quite funny. So let me play it out for you. We've got the north and we have the south. Everybody got that? In the north, they're putting a restriction on churches, priests, from doing their duties as priests to the Lord. They have come up with their entirely own religion. Now, if you go to Israel with us, you can go to the northern portion of Dan where you can see where they have uncovered one of the altars that uh, was used during the time of Jeroboam to set up the golden calves, as we will see in a minute, that he appointed priests for himself and created this whole new religion there in the north. And so people that were loyal to the Lord and following what uh, Moses' law had said, they were fleeing the north and moving to where? Kind of funny, isn't it? I can't make this stuff up. This is northerners are frustrated with the political environment of the north and moving to the south where there is freedom. Can't make it up, people. This is, this is great. But we, we don't read anywhere in here, which kind of happens today, is that they change the politics of the South. Don't bring what you had there here. I just want to say that that's free. So we see the priests. They've come south. Notice in verse 15, it describes us what is going on. And remember, the book of Kings gives us much more detail on this time, but he says they appointed for himself priests for the high places. Notice this, the description of the religion in the north for demons. That's a great description of anything other than the worship of the true and the living God. Anything other than the Bible and what it would, what, what it would say says this, that it was for demons. Notice and the calf idol which he had made. So because Jeroboam was spending time in Egypt, he brought those gods back to the north, and that's how he established it. Remember, <laughs> Egypt is a type in the picture of the world. So Jeroboam took the world and he brought it up to the north, and they mixed that and came up with their own religion with their own priests. You see that today in our world. People have a religion 
of humanism, of even global warming. You add the item other than God, and it's a religion to them. They bow to it. Well, so too here. Now, what do you think is going to happen when you take godly men and women from one area and you move them to another area? What's going to happen to that northern area? Is it going to get better? Or is it going to keep declining and getting worse and rigging elections? Sorry. Do you see that? Do you see how relevant the Bible can be? When you take a godly population and then you move them away from them, what do you expect that's going to happen? I I expect Ahabs are going to rise up. That's what's going to happen in the north. I expect Jezebels to rise up in the north. I expect basic uh, anarchy to happen in that area. When you take godly people from there and you move them away, well, then all they have is what they believe. And so after the Levites left (laughs) those areas, from all the tribes of Israel, the northern tribes, such as set their heart, Please note with me, to seek the Lord God of Israel. And they came to Jerusalem to sacrifice to Yahweh God of their fathers. They wanted to worship in the way that their fathers had already done. And the safe place for them to do that was away from the north, from where they, it was declining, where they had brought in this worldly influence into the area in which they lived in. Now, I know we're making kind of a joke of north and south, but you can apply that to anything. You can apply that to England and France and Germany who had godly people that used to live there and had influence, but they brought in worldly influence and it changed those areas and countries. And so they strengthened the kingdom of Judah. That's the south. And made Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, strong for three years because they walked in the way of David and Solomon for three years. Now, so it, it seems for three years, woo, they're doing a great job. Three years, people. And then they, it just broke down after that. <laughs> three years. Like, couldn't be a generation. No, three years. And then we'll see the breakdown in their family. Then Rehoboam, and we'll start to see the breakdown here. And by the way, the breakdown often always is in the family. And then with that leader, what it translates to the populace. So Rehoboam took for himself a wife, Mahalath, the daughter of Jeremoth, the son of David, and of uh, Abihai, the daughter of Elah, the son of Jesse. So it would seem that Rehoboam takes one of, this is not David's wife's sons, it is possibly one of David's concubine's daughters. So not one of his sons or daughters, but a concubine. Doesn't make any right, it doesn't make it right, it's just what it is. And so she bore to him, These amazing kids. Verse 20. Now, after he took, uh, uh, I had it earlier, Maacah, the granddaughter 
of Absalom, and she bore him Abijah. This he will become the next king. And he had concubines, for he had took <laughs> he had took eighteen wives and sixty concubines, kind of doing like his father Solomon. And he begot twenty eight sons and sixty daughters. Woo! The weddings this guy would have to do later on. And so Rehoboam appointed Abijah, the son of Maachi, as chief to be the leader among his brethren, for he intended to make him king. So Abijah will become the next king. Now he dealt wisely and dispersed some of his sons throughout all the territories of Judah and Benjamin to the fortified cities, and he gave them provisions in abundance and he also sought many wives for himself. Next chapter, chapter 12. Now it came to pass when Rehoboam had established the kingdom and had strengthened himself that he forsook the law of the Lord and all of Israel with him. So three years later, what happens? He starts multiplying wives unto himself, just like Solomon did, and just like Solomon who had wives whose heart was pulled away from the true and the living God, so too with Rehoboam. And so it tells us that he forsook the law of the Lord, and notice what the people do then, all of Israel with him. And so it happened in the fifth year of King Rehoboam that Shishak, king of Egypt, King up, came up against Jerusalem. Please note with me that the chronicler tells us the why, for they had transgressed against the Lord. So the Lord allowed this invasion to happen so that they would have a time, basically a time out. He came up with 1,200 chariots and 60, <laughs> that's a huge number, 60,000 horsemen and people without number came with him out of Egypt and Lubin, as well as Sukim and the Ethiopians. And so they took those, remember from the last chapter, those fortified cities that he had done in the south, that he had put supplies there and his sons and his daughters and all that. He, the, he took those fortified cities and he came to Jerusalem. And Shemaniah the prophet came to Rehoboam and the leaders of Judah who were gathered together in Jerusalem because of Shishak. And he said to them, thus says the Lord, you have forsaken me and therefore I have left you in the hands of Shishak. Now listen, you don't ever want God to say, I've left you in the hands of your enemy, right? That's no bueno there, no good. And so the leaders of Israel and the king, notice with me, humbled themselves and they said, the Lord is right or righteous. Now, when the Lord saw that they humbled themselves, the word of the Lord came to Shemaniah, saying, They have humbled themselves, therefore I will not destroy them, but I will grant them, please note with me, some deliverance. Not all, some deliverance. Service from the service of the kingdom of the nations. And so Shishak, king of Egypt, came up against Jerusalem and took away the treasuries of the house of the Lord and the treasuries of the king's house, and he took, how much is everything? Everything. Now listen, this is only the second guy after who? Solomon. Remember Solomon's hoard 
of all that Solomon had. Remember the gold shields that he had, that he had on these walls of the fortified cities? All of the gold, all of the silver. What does it say? It says that Shishak took everything, and he also carried away, here it is, those gold shields which Solomon had made. And so King Rehoboam then made bronze shields in their stead, and he committed them to the hands of the captains and the guards who guarded the doorway to the king's house. Now, bronze in the Bible is a type and a picture of judgment. It is a lesser metal than gold. And so by him doing that, it will always be a sign to the nation of the judgment of God. So anytime those guys are holding those shields, it's like, oh, remember when we had gold shields? Remember when we had the best weapons? Well, because they disobeyed the Lord and followed the king in that wicked way, he humbled the king and he humbled the nation of Judah. Well, verse 11. And whenever the king entered the house of the Lord, the guard would go and bring them out, and then they would take them back into the guard room. And when he humbled himself, the wrath of the Lord turned from him so as not to destroy him, notice, completely. And the things also went well in Judah. And then King Rehoboam strengthened himself in Jerusalem and reigned. Now, Rehoboam was 41 years old when he became king, and he reigned 17 years. Remember, only three years were good, 14 were bad in Jerusalem. In the city which the Lord has chosen out of the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah. She was an Ammonitess. Please note with me that she is not even an Israeli. Remember Solomon having foreign wives. So this all starts from the house. Inside of the house, godly men and women raising children really does matter. And when you are raised by Nama the Ammonitist, who is not a Jew, you're going to get what you're going to get. Let me just make this statement. Parents, if you allow the government or the school system to raise your kid, don't be surprised what you get in the end. So therefore, you have to be very careful what they hear, and then when they come home, that you debrief them and say, we don't believe in that. Let's look at the Bible and see what it says. Don't let somebody else, don't let an Ammonitis or anybody else teach your children the things of the Lord. That is your job. Because then they may walk away just like Rehoboam did. Now, know with me, he did evil. And you can read in Kings the evil that he did. Notice, because he did not prepare his heart to seek the Lord. Now, the acts of Rehoboam, first and last, are they not written in the book of uh, Shemaniah, the prophet, and Ido the seer concerning genealogies? And there were wars between Rehoboam and Jeroboam, that's the north and the south, all their days. And so Rehoboam rested with his fathers, 
and was buried in the city of David. Then Abijah, his son, reigned in his stead. Chapter 13. Now, for the most part in this chronicler, we're going to read that it's about the southern tribe. There's a little bit of the northern tribes in here, but for the most part, it is the southern tribes. Why? Because the northern tribes have been taken away by the Assyrians. They were the first to be taken away. And for the most part, there was no more uh, 10 northern tribes. The two southern tribes are the ones that survived when they went into Babylon and then the Medes and the Persians when they came back. So for the most part, there is no lost tribes of Israel. God knows where they are. He'll figure it out. Don't you worry. But for the most part, those 10 northern tribes were pretty much gone. And what was left was the southern tribes. Hence, because the chronicler is writing after they come back, that's what's most important to them. Amen? So we're going to get a little bit of the north, but not so much. It'll be more of the southern tribes. So in the 18th year, King Jeroboam, so that's a northern king, Abijah became king over Judah. And he reigned three years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was uh, Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel, the Gibeah. And there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. Now again, If you want more info on these, you can read the kings. They're much more detailed. This is more of a condensed version by the chronicler. So there was war between Abijah and Jeroboam. And so Abijah set the battle in order with an army of valiant warriors. Now, these numbers just blow my mind. 400,000 choice men. Jeroboam also drew up in battle formation against him with 800,000 choice men, men of valor. Uh, that's, that's a lot of men on one battlefield at one time. And so Abijah stood on Mount Zeraminim, uh, uh, which is in the mountains of Ephraim, And he said, hear me, Jeroboam, and all Israel. Now, I don't know how he expects anybody to hear him. He ain't got no PA, right? He's just yelling, and they're like, what? (laughs) Send a runner down there, read it in front of him. But he says, notice, should you not know that the Lord God of Israel gave dominion over Israel to David forever and to him and to his sons by a covenant of salt? Yet Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, the servant of Solomon, the son of David, rose up and rebelled against my Lord. So he's giving, Abijah is giving those troops in the north and Jeroboam a little history lesson. Then worthless rogues gathered to him and strengthened themselves against Rehoboam, the son of Solomon. And when Rehoboam was young and inexperienced and could not withstand them, Now, when you think to withstand the kingdom of the Lord, which is in the hand of the sons of David, and you are a great multitude, and with you are the golden calves, which Jeroboam has made for you as gods, have you not cast out the priests of the Lord and the sons of Aaron and the Levites and made for yourself priests like the people of the other lands? You've mixed the worldly things together. 
so that whoever comes to consecrate himself with a young bull and seven rams may be a priest of the things which are not God's. He says, you guys are totally doing religion on your own terms and not a godly way. It's amazing. But as for us, the Lord is our God. I want you to note this with me. He never says my God. He says our God. Now, that's not good, but at least he's kind of going in the right track. He says, but as for us, the Lord our God, for we have not forsaken him, and the priest who ministered to the Lord are the sons of Aaron and the Levites, notice they attend to their duties, and they burn to the Lord every morning, every burnt sacrifice, a sweet incense, and they also set the showbread in order on the pure gold table, on the lampstand of gold with its lamps to burn every evening, for we keep the command of the Lord our God, but you have forsaken him. Now look, God himself is with us as our head and our priest with the sounding of the trumpets to sound the alarm against you, O children of Israel. Now do not fight against the Lord your God of your fathers. Notice, for you shall not prosper. Boy, this guy can make a good speech, can't he? But Jeroboam caused an ambush to go around, so he flanks him. He goes around behind him so that they were in front of Judah and the ambush was behind him. Uh, That's not good. And when Judah looked around to their surprise, now remember, they had 800,000 men. So to their surprise, the battle lines was both in front and in the rear. And what do you do when you see the front when you see the enemy in the front and the rear? You cry out to the Lord and the priest sounded the trumpets. And then the men of Judah gave a shout. And the men of Judah shouted, and it happened that God struck Jeroboam and all Israel before Abijah and Judah. And the children of Israel fled before Judah and God delivered them into their hand. Abijah said this is what was going to happen. And then Abijah and the people struck them with a great slaughter. Now, this is what the Bible says is a great slaughter. Are you ready? 500,000 choice men of Israel fled, uh, fell slain in, in one day. Um, we don't even have that in our county, 500,000. Can you imagine what great battle that would look like in one day? 500,000 men of Israel fell slain. Thus the children of Israel, verse 18, were subdued at that time. They will come back, but at that time. And the children of Judah prevailed because they relied on the Lord God of their fathers. They didn't rely upon their own strength. They were outnumbered, yes, They were outnumbered, yes. It seemed bleak, but they relied upon Yahweh. That's what it says there, Lord God of their fathers. And so Abijah pursued Jeroboam and took the cities from him, from Bethel, from the villages, Jethunan, 
and the villages of Ephraim with its villages. And so Jeroboam did not recover strength again in the days of Abijah. And the Lord struck him, and there, there he died. But Abijah grew mighty. <sighs> then he married 14 wives. It, one, don't you wish sometimes it would just stop at the good and then not have the bad? But married 14 wives and begot 22 sons and 16 daughters. Now the rest of the acts of Abijah, his ways and his sayings, are they not in the annals of the prophets, the prophet of Ido? Chapter 14. Now, this is where we get Asa. And so Abijah rested with his father, and they buried him in the city of David. Then Asa his son reigned in his stead, and in his days the land was quiet for ten years. Now Asa did what was right and good in the eyes of the Lord his God. And I want you to see this because this will continue to happen. Asa becomes a good king. But we will see this pattern. We will see a bad king, and then you think his son's going to be bad, and all of a sudden his son is good, which tells us that the sins of the father don't transfer to the sins of the son, and the sins of the sons are not upon the sins of the father. So somebody can rise up against that where they were born, how they were raised, and like Josiah later on, who will find, they will find the word of the Lord, and they're like, look, we found the Bible. Where was it? Shockingly, it was in the temple in the church. And they read it, and there was a revival that adverse to what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord is God. Notice what he did. So, Notice how the Bible just doesn't say it. There is action behind what he does. And what did he do? What was the action? Well, he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places and broke down the sacred pillars and cut them down into wooden images. So even though you had Rehoboam and Abijah, right, who were kings before, it didn't say that they removed any of this. It took this... It took this boy, this man, to start cleaning house of the foreign gods with all of those foreign wives that were bringing everything from Solomon all the way down to Rehoboam, Abijah, and now Asa. And so he removed the altars of the foreign gods and the high places, and he broke down the sacred pillars, and he cut down the wooden images. This is the work that needs to be done in our own lives as well. It takes work. It, uh, you, you just don't walk up to a sacred pillar and say, get out of here, sacred pillar. What do you have to do? Get some dynamite. Oh, sledgehammer. It takes work, chainsaw. You have to cut down. It takes sweat and effort. It doesn't happen Overnight, there was a lot of work involved in cleaning up the messes from the past. Amen? Now listen, Paul says to forget it, but we still have to get it out. Get it out, burn it up. And so he cuts down all of those wooden images. And so he commanded Judah, please note with me, after this was done, to seek Yahweh, the Lord God 
of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandments. You, you know what Asa did? He brought them back to the Bible. Shocking. But look, look at that in our own nation. How many times we've ebbed and flowed in our own nation. We've had a time of revival. We've, te- we've had great times in our nation. Then we regress back. And then there's a, a call to come back. And a, a God allows uh, the hearts of men and women to be changed and a place of repentance and then getting this away. But note with me <laughs> what's going to get people back to the Lord. It's going back to the Bible. If, if you want to take a note on verse 4, just write the Bible above it. How do you have changes in your life? And I mean real changes. It's the Bible. It's always the Bible. Now, I, I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but there are groups of people out there inside of the church, and they want transformation in people's lives, and I believe that's true, that they do, but they don't promote the Bible on top of that, so therefore it's just willpower, and it's kind of some self-help programs, but it's never going to be grounded anything, and if it's not based upon God's Word and teaching them the Bible and teaching them to have that private time with God, it will never, because it'll just come back. And so Asa is right. That's why he's a good king, because he points his nation to the Bible. And a great way to end tonight, let's get back to the Bible. Let's get on the Bible bus, as J. Vernon McGee would tell us. And so notice, to observe the law and the commandments. And he also removed the high places and the incense altars from the city of Judah. And notice the kingdom was quiet under him. It's amazing what happens when you point your nation back to God. Because you don't need any more laws because people are going to start obeying the laws that are already there. Well, he built fortified cities in Judah. For the land, notice, had rest. So that's a good time to rebuild those areas. He had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. I don't know about you, but I love that. It's a revival that's going in the, in the nation, and there is a personal, let's put it to your life, there's a personal time of quietness. <laughs> oh, but the battle is coming. That's why he's fortifying. He's getting ready. Are you in that place where it's quiet right now in your life? there's a battle coming. You're either in a battle, coming out of a battle, or you're about to start one. So, oftentimes God gives us that nice time of rest. Uh, Foy and I always say to one another, he'll come in and we'll, we'll talk, and he's like, man, it's been a little bit quiet around here. I'm like, I know, huh? Like, we should be happy about that, but we know <laughs> something's about to happen. And so he built these fortified cities, and the Lord had given him rest. Verse 7, therefore he said to Judah, let us build these cities, let us make walls around them, and the towers and the gates and the bars, while the land is yet before us. Because we have sought the Lord our God, we have sought him, and he has given us rest on every side. So they built and they prospered. I mean, there's a whole message about putting walls up around your own life 
and guarding yourself from the world. That, mean, that doesn't mean that we isolate ourselves from the world, but we need to have walls up. We need to be able to protect us and to protect our children. And so Asa had an army of 300,000 from Judah who carried the shield and the spears, and from Benjamin, 280,000 who carried the shield and drew the bows. And these were mighty men of valor. Now Zerah the Ethiopian came out against them with an army. Can you even imagine what a million men looks like? A million three hundred a million men and three hundred chariots, and they came to Marisha. I, I can't even imagine what that looks like. Um, Cy, Cyrus had armies uh, as well as Darius into the one and two million numbers, and it said when their armies walked across Turkey as they were moving towards uh, Greece that they drank up whole rivers and lakes because of the army. Uh, I can't even, what that looks like. How do you feed a million guys? I mean, it's hard enough for us to feed 150 people for a potluck, let alone a million men or two million men. So, Zerah the Ethiopia comes up. Uh, verse 10, so Asa went out against him, and they set troops in battle array in the valley of Zarephath at Marisha. And Asa cried out to the Lord his God, and he said, Lord, is there nothing for you to help us, whether with many or with those who have no power? Help us, O Lord God, for we rest on you, and in your name we go against the multitude. Man, what a wonderful prayer. Anytime you see a million people outside of your door and you don't have that many troops, what a great prayer. Lord, it is nothing for you to help, <laughs> whether with many or for those who have no power. Lord, help us. For we rest on you, and in your name we go against the multitude. So we fight in the name of Yahweh God. Notice, you are God. Do not let man prevail against you. Well, man, you hear a prayer like that, what are you going to do? So the Lord struck the Ethiopians before Asa and Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. So Asa and the people who were with him pursued them to Gerar, and so the Ethiopians were overthrown. And they could not recover, for they had broken, they were broken before the Lord and his army, and they carried away much spoil. And then they defended all the cities around Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them, and they plundered all the cities, for they were exceedingly much spoil in them. It's almost like the Lord is giving them back all that what Shishak took from them. Doesn't it seem that? It's like what the locust ate, Joel 2, the Lord restores back to the people. And so the Lord was looking for a man like Asa to pour himself into. And so they attacked the livestock enclosures and carried off sheep and camels in abundance and returned to Jerusalem. Now, that's where we're going to stop tonight. We don't have enough to go into the next chapter. Read ahead as we will continue in the life of Asa, and we will continue to see 
his reforms that go on in Israel. Let's pray. Father, thank you again for the lives of your men and women inside of the Bible. Lord, for a man like Asa to rise up after having a a father that didn't follow you you, as well as a grandfather and great-grandfather, Lord, that was taken captive by the ways of the world and, Lord, by foreign women and gods. Lord, that we would learn from a man like Asa, that we would tear down these idols in our lives, break down these sacred places. And Lord, let us get back to your word. Thank you, Lord, that we have your word, that we have the Bible to look to and to follow. We pray for your Holy Spirit to give us guidance as we read it, to hear from you on a daily basis. Thank you, Lord, for our time tonight. We thank you for the rain, and we continue to pray for our nation, Lord. We pray for healing, and we pray that Every wrong would be right. And Lord, the things that are hidden would be revealed. And that men would not get away with such evil. Bring to light, Lord, those things that need to be exposed. In Jesus' name, amen.